the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1160. How to Stay Married. And later, we're joined by author and professor Angie Ward to talk kingdom leadership. You're listening to The Common Good. You might recognize that voice. Catherine <laughs> McNeil is in the house. She is officially a friend of the show. She is our special guest co-host. Many times when Brian is on vacation and he is finally on a summer vacation. Finally got rid of that guy again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Brian. <laughs> Love you, Catherine Brian. and Aubrey Takeover. We're so glad that you're here with us, Catherine and listeners. We are so glad you're here with us. Here's what we want to do. All show, we want to take calls. We want oh, to yeah. hear from you. This is our number. Write it down or text it to yourself. 312-660-2594. 312-660-2594. And here's what we're going to do. You've got uh, Catherine's in seminary, training to be a pastor. I'm a pastor. Do you need to talk to a pastor about something? Uh. Just call us. 312-660-2594. But I'm going to throw out two other categories. Okay. okay. So generally, you just need to talk to a pastor. We're here to pray for you. We want to talk to you. If you don't want to be that serious, there's a couple other things happening. Later on in the show, Catherine and I are going to talk about the Barbie movie, which oh, we yeah. saw yesterday. If you got thoughts about Barbie, call and let us know. It's also Harry, Harry Potter's, Potter's birthday. birthday. So whether or not you're a fan or a foe of Harry Potter, we want to hear from you. Let us know if you're doing anything to celebrate. Again, 312-660-2594. Okay, Catherine. Yes, We're going to talk about marriage. Okay, how, Okay, how long have you and your husband, Matthew, been we married? We have been married for 20 years. Well done. Thank you. Well done. Two we decades, done well. baby. How about you? We have been just. We have been married 22 years. Wow. So just a little bit, yeah. just a little bit more. Yeah, uh, I know That's Brian and his wife are I think twenty three. So okay. we've we've all been married. At a this point, time. I've been married longer than not been married. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, I, that's a while. I am very old. I cannot say that. <laughs> you'll get there okay. one of these days. You'll okay. get there. I promise. Okay, so you and I—you read a book that you recommended to me. I'm actually borrowing your copy, yes. and I'm not finished. But talk to us about this book, and then we're going to actually talk about the concept related to the okay. title of the book. Yeah, the book is called "How to Stay Married." I don't know that I can come up with the subtitle right now. It's something like "The Most Insane Love Story Ever." Yeah, it is something. Like that. It's by Harrison Scott Key, and it is, well, it is the most insane love story ever. I, yeah. man, I would love to talk about this book. Can you, can you, uh, I mean, he, we don't have this author on as a guest. Maybe we'll right, have him right. on. We both love this book. Yes. And love. it's, I don't want to give away too much, but it's a story of a marriage kind of unwinding, yeah. falling apart at the seams, and it's not your sort of perfect Christian it love story. Not. It's very honest. Well, I think I can say the following because you can find this out from the Amazon page or the back of the book. But um, 
two things of note. One is that he finds out his wife is having an affair. Yep. And so that's a complication. Yes. And the second thing of note is we find out in the reading of the book that he and his wife are Christians, devout Christians. And so even though it's not a Christian book, it is just an absolutely profound Hilarious. He's a com- kind of a comedian writer. Yeah. Uh, very funny, but very profound, often theological reflection 100%. on what it means to love your spouse, what it means yeah. to love your enemy, what it means to love your enemy when it's your spouse yeah. and she's in your room. <laughs> um, it is. I just I couldn't I literally could not put it down. Some things were neglected. OK, so let's um, without, you know, talking necessarily, we're not going to do like a book study yeah. here, but let's just talk about that concept. OK, how to stay married mm. when it's very, very painful to do so or very complicated to do so. Um, what are some of the things, whether you learn them from the book or whether you just learn them from your own life? Uh-huh. Um, oh, man. T- Talk to us about thoughts on how to stay married. Well, I think you do have to be willing to work. You have to be willing to fight for your marriage. Sometimes that means fighting. Sometimes that means forgiving. I think it takes a lot of discernment to know when you need to just sort of back up and Mm -hmm. get out of the way and when you need to really lean in and push in. And Mm -hmm. you need a whole community around you. You need friends, friends who know you well, friends who know your spouse, people that you can vent to that are going to be loyal to your spouse and they're not going to let you go too far. Yep. Marriage therapists. I think you need a marriage therapist. Absolutely. Pastors. Yeah. Church body. Yeah. I don't think marriage was supposed to be. Uh, it's a personal thing, but not a private thing. Yeah, that's good. I know it, it's funny you say that about knowing when to kind of lean in and fight and when to sort of let go. I early on in marriage, I thought a healthy marriage, you like you talked about every conflict all uh, the time. Oh, yeah. So like nothing was let go. Yep. Nothing was let go because then things were in, it you know. Fester. Yeah. You got to process You got to process everything. And I, I love to process. I don't know at what point I just kind of realized like, oh, That's I'm just going to have to let go yeah. of some things. <laughs> and it wasn't even necessarily by choice or by good wisdom. It just wasn't realistic necessarily yeah. Yeah. to have every fight about all the things all the time. It was like you do have to, you have to pick and choose. Right. When does it matter and when is it kind of like, I just got to let go? Well, I think similarly, I didn't realize that we had to fight about them. I thought we could just talk about them. You know, I could say, <laughs> yeah. I would like to share with you how I felt when you took that pencil out of my hand. I yes. felt disrespected. I yes. thought it could be as simple as that. Yes. Yeah. And then you get married to another human. Right. And so things are never as simple as yeah. you think. A pencil is not just a pencil. Okay. One of the things that you were saying off air, Catherine, that I know isn't original to you, you learned from somebody else, but I thought it was really provocative and worth okay. talking about. A lot of times you hear, especially Christian circles that one of the ways to stay married, of course, let your forgiveness, 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 and learning when to fight, Mm -hmm. when to communicate, when to have healthy conflict, how to have healthy conflict. This other thing we learned that's almost become a pithy saying is divorce should never be on the table. Like we never, you, you never talk about divorce. Divorce is not an option. You, before we went on air, you were saying something a little bit different. Do you mind? I'm putting you on the spot here, but I thought it was so interesting. I'd love to hear you unpack that. Okay. This is controversial. What I'm about to say, I'm just going to, especially for a Christian audience. Yeah. But I once heard a marriage therapist uh, speaking and he said that actually he believes that if you're going to have a fighting chance to having a healthy marriage, you need to have divorce on the table. Mm. And that is so different from what we normally yeah. hear. And it's, it's, say what more about he that. was trying to say, again, I'm not I'm not actually sure that I agree or disagree. Yeah. It's a provocative statement. It's yeah. worth, I think, wrestling with. 
what he's saying is that when you see yourself as having no options, um, a certain kind of person can manipulate the situation that way. Like they could say like, well, I'm, I know she wants me to change in these ways or, you know, like not, you know, in a help in, in healthy ways. Like yeah. I know that yeah. I should become healthier in this relationship, right. but she can't leave me, you know, so, so I, I don't have it doesn't to. matter. But on the other hand, you could become fatalistic. Like I'm stuck mm. with this spouse forever. And mm. so therefore I'm not, I can't even keep doing this fight anymore. I'm just going to give up. Yeah. Whereas if you can really say, you know, this relationship could end. Yeah then there's it becomes precious in a way mm. and you start to ask yourself what do i need to do to keep it healthy what do i need to do to keep wow. it held together wow. and so this therapist was saying he finds that marriages can have a higher chance of gaining mutuality and health if both people are willing to acknowledge the relationship could end we are going to have yeah. to work hard to make it to stay yeah, alive. I, I, I actually, I understand the concept behind divorce not being an option. Yeah. And I do think that's right. I also think what, what you're, right. or what this person said, I think is, yeah. is right too. I, this is funny, but I remember watching, do, this is an old show. Do you remember watching Mad About You or did you ever oh, watch Mad About yes. with Paul Reiser and Helen Hunt? I actually used to watch it with your executive producer, Marcus Brown. Okay. This is so fantastic. I love that information. <laughs> well, I, there is, I don't remember much about that show, but I remember one episode in particular. And it was an episode where she kept picking a fight with him, trying to get him to admit that their marriage could fall apart. I think oh, they wow. had friends who were walking through a divorce in okay. the episode. I think I remember that Our marriage that too. can fall apart. Our marriage can fall apart. And he kept saying... No, it won't. Our marriage will ne- that will never happen to Interesting. us. And they got in this big fight and she was finally like, I just need you to say it's a possibility. Oh, wow. And so he finally said, OK, it's a possibility. And she said, and now I need you to tell me it will never happen. Oh, okay. And it was kind of that concept. Like, let's just be honest about our humanity and our ability to hurt each other and betray each other and our own sort of sin. But we aren't going to do that to each right. other. We're going to choose right. to fight. And like you said, in community and with good support like a therapist we're gonna do the work to stay married but let's not be naive people to pretend like it could never happen to us so we're saying i won't rather than i can't so then we have the agency that we need to Mm. do the work that we need to do man you and i should maybe become therapists i feel like we just saw no just kidding it is (laughs) if you're walking through a divorce right now we know how painful it is it is a grief it is a death and uh, want you to know that we're here to support you and cheer you on. Again, we'd love to invite you to call us, 312-660-2594, if you need prayer or support for any reason. But those of you who are struggling in your marriage, it is worth doing the work. It is worth the fight. And it is worth, I think, naming the the quiet things out loud, yeah. like divorce, in order to say, okay, we're going to keep holding on to each other. We're going to keep fighting for this precious thing that we're building together. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson. I am joined by my special guest co-host, Catherine McNeil. And this is very fun. This is sort of like a strange inception because we are also joined by a a colleague, if you will, a woman that we admire and appreciate, Dr. Angie Ward. She is the director of the ministry program, director of the doctor of ministry program and associate professor of leadership and ministry. She has over 30 years of leadership and teaching experience in church, parachurch, Christian higher education. She's at Denver Seminary. She's the author of a lot of books. Angie Ward, we are so glad that you're with us today. 
Hey, friends, isn't this fun? This, this is, is so fun. fun. <laughs> we say in unison. Yeah, we say at the same time. So uh, for listeners who may not know, Dr. Ward has a series of books called Kingdom Conversations that Catherine and I have both been privileged and honored to contribute yes, to. Yes, we have. So it's so fun to be with Dr. Angie Ward now. Okay, Angie, you have a new book that's yes. coming out tomorrow, which is so Woo-hoo! fun. Uncharted, yes. Uncharted Leadership. Uh, in the book, it looks like you have like several case studies about leadership, but I want to hear from you. What is this book about, and why did you decide to write it? Yeah, well, so, I mean, the subtitle is the, the quick description, 20 Case Studies to Help Ministry Leaders Adapt to Uncertainty. And wow. so it's, that, it's a book of 20 actual cases. They are real life. Um, you can guess which ones my husband and I encountered in our years of ministry okay. and others mm. are submitted by students and friends and, you know, ministry connections. So, um, and they're all, they're all adaptive leadership challenges. And so adaptive leadership is um, a a term by a guy that teaches at Harvard Business School, um, Ron Heifetz, but it's like technical challenges um, or technical leadership is where there's like a clear playbook or we've been here before or there's kind of uh, you like so say say you're at a church and you're doing a building campaign yeah that's a very complex thing but by and large it's a technical challenge Mm. where it's like there's playbooks there's consultants who can help you walk through that but then adaptive challenges are like the also the pandemic like things (laughs) are like oh we We've never been here before. We don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Or there's multiple perspectives, and how do you balance all those out? And so this book is 20 adaptive leadership. Oh, that's good. Uh, adaptive cases from wow. real-life ministry leadership. That is fantastic. Well, I'm sold. That sounds like a great book, Angie. Well, you, good. Yeah. You know, Aubrey and I are also authors, so we know all that goes yeah. into conceiving of an idea and how much that goes into it. What is it that put this particular book on your heart. Why did you choose this topic for your next book? Oh, that's a great question. Couple things. One, I'm a teacher at heart, and so these are the types of things we're talking about in my classroom and with my students all the time. Our, mm. you know, our doctoral students, um, where they're they're past. Uh, my students are like in their mid 30s to late 50s, and they're they're not just learning how to do stuff for the first time. They're learning the kind of what I call the art of leadership of yeah. like putting multiple, like complex situations, complex, you know, factors, a lot of relational stuff going into mm-hmm. it too. And, and so, so um, I wouldn't say it was in, um, I mean, in one sense, it was an easy book to write just because like there's, sadly, there are too many cases. I had to like mm-hmm. turn some down. Wow. And, and it was just, so it's, a, it's, a, it's like, here's the cases. I set up the case. Like I say, here's the story. And then I ask a bunch of questions. Like, mm. it's, a, it's a way to get people to think through, even if the exact same situation isn't a match for what you're going through, the issues presented are common yeah. to all of us in ministry leadership. And so it's like, how can we think through these things so that we can maybe avoid some of these mm. things or you know, down the road. And so, mm. so it's kind of a heart of my like years of experience. People always saying, what would you do in this situation? Yeah. And me turning that into like a teaching tool. Love it. And with all of the case studies and all the research that you've done, and even your experience, Angie, are there common themes like in situations like that, where it is complex in real life, and there isn't a roadmap yet, aka COVID, <laughs> or what have you? Yeah. What are some of the themes that you saw between the different cases? Yeah, some of them are, um, uh, first of all, just like uh, 
what are you going to do if, like, if you're going to upset one group of people if you go this direction? One, like, the relational dynamics become such a big thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just these clear-cut, like, like there's sometimes it's between two really viable or, you know, faithful options, kind of a range of faithful options, but, but there's people on either side of it, and it's not a clear, like, moral right or wrong. So, so a lot of these, like, um, uh, the relational dynamics also, like, who makes the de- who gets to make the decision there's mm-hmm. a lot of times where there's not a clear decision making mm-hmm. process or tree and then the relational emotional pieces complicate that or are complicated by that and yeah. when it's too late um so i think uh that so not just kind of not a clear understanding of the structures and systems and cultures that you're a part of or how you could have shaped them or their shaping you type of thing um some of them yeah are like problems that got kicked down the line because somebody didn't want to deal with conflict or many people over many years didn't want to deal with it and then finally somebody inherits it um so i'd I'd say so those are some of the more common ones and then just not knowing how to deal well with conflict so just the again the relational piece yeah that's so becomes so much bigger in this Mm. yeah i love case studies angie for me it just always uh evokes so much in my imagination when I can see an actual problem playing out and then I can discuss or listen to someone else discuss the possible ways to attack that problem. Why did you decide to write this book in the format of case studies? I know you've done a lot of other things in the past. Um, Why not research or why not just lecturing? Why case studies for this particular book? Yeah, because of what you said, it's like, and it's true case studies. So I looked at, you know, what other, you know, as authors who go, well, what else is out there that mm-hmm. well, I'm not repeating what's already been written? And the the few that I found were um, were that were ministry leadership. They were either like only like ethical studies, or they were like mm. technical challenges, or they gave the answers. They told you, here's what you have to do. Mm. And so on this one, I do the like I do the situation, and then I raise some questions. I give a little bit of commentary, so I'm doing a little bit of teaching. Like here's some things to be aware of. Yeah. Um, and then I do some. I do every chapter has like here's the epilogue. So mm. here's how it played out resolve neatly or most of the time did not resolve neatly yeah, yeah. and or like like was a successful or a success quote or not depends mm. on what perspective you're at and then i also do a couple of resources for like websites or books or articles that that are help you think through again those kind of those main issues so i'm doing a little bit of teaching in it yeah through this open-ended it's meant to be like like you said, captivate your imagination. What would I do? Oh my gosh, mm. maybe we need to think this through. Or you know of people who've done it, and and so to be for reflection in a, you know, individually or as a group, like a staff team or like a, a mastermind group or a classroom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, yeah, reflective dialogue about it. Oh, it's so good. We're talking with Dr. Angie Ward, the director of the Doctor of Ministry program at Denver Seminary. She has over 30 years of experience as a professor and a leader, and she has a brand new book coming out tomorrow, Uncharted Woo-hoo! Leadership. <laughs> Angie, in just a minute, I'm going to let you tell our people where they can pre-order the book and find and follow you, but I just saw on your website that you were a sports writer in the past, so I have got to know, how do you move from sports writing to the director of the Doctor of Ministry program at Denver Seminary. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a lot of steps, but um, yeah, I grew up in Wisconsin, not far from where you guys yeah. are, um, and went to school outside Chicago. So, um, so I've always had the writing piece, and I was a journalism major originally, and then was a youth ministry minor at my Christian college, and God 
flipped those for me when I was a junior and said, I want you to, at the time, uh, he said, oh, I'm calling you to kind of work with people, not just write about them, but wow. I've always been that writing piece. And so now I've been able to combine it with, you know, all these years of ministry experience. That's awesome. Um, which is just really, really cool. Oh, yes. I absolutely yeah. love that. Okay, Dr. Angie Ward, where can our people find and follow you? And where can they order this brand new book, Uncharted Leadership? Yeah, well, I'll start with the second question. Uncharted Leadership, wherever fine books are sold. So, I mean, you know, the usual outlets. So yeah. I don't know about local bookstores, but certainly all the online things, use your favorite search engine or whatever search, you know, book buying website and find it. Um, and then where to find me. So Angie Ward, PhD.com or Ooh. Angie Ward, PhD on, I was going to say Twitter, but now X. X. That's, That's right. right. That's right. <laughs> we can yeah. still say so Twitter though. I think. Angie Ward, PhD. Yep. Angie Ward, We'll link to all that stuff. Perfect. And also to the weekly newsletter I send about oh, what I'm working great. on, learning about laughing at. Wonderful. Um, so I actually yeah. just signed up for that as we speak. So I'm very oh, excited wow. about that, hitting my inbox. Dr. Ward, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to the next time it's in person. Absolutely. Oh, be great. I like that. May it be Party as you on. have said. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. A dancing Catherine McNeil I am in the dancing. studio today. Oh, yeah. We're having fun. We're having fun here. We want to hear from you. You know why? Because it's Harry Potter's it's birthday. It's Harry Potter's birthday. That's why we're dancing. That's right. Our phone number is 312-660-2594. Again, that's 312-660-2594. Let us know if you either love or hate Harry Potter. If you love him, are you celebrating his birthday? If you are not a fan, we want to know why. 312-660-2594. Either way, we will love you and accept you. Catherine has a look on her face right Aubrey, now. I just had an awful thought. <gasps> what? How old is Harry Potter? Oh, no. Oh, I, no. Uh, <laughs> how old is Harry Potter? I'm trying to figure this so out. He, oh, my gosh. I have bad news. So this is, oh, no. He is <laughs> 40, 43 years old today. <laughs> No, he's not. I'm That's so not sorry. right. Harry Potter born, is 43 years old. His birthday is July 31st, 1980. Okay, so a lot of you 1980s kids. So that makes him a millennial? Mm, I think he might be sliding right in on uh, Gen X, actually. He's sliding right in. Harry Potter is a Gen Xer. This is shocking My mind to me. Is a millennial. A millennial. Yeah, this an is elder. No, no, no. Elder, that's not right. elder millennial. No, he's a Oregon Trail generation. <laughs> <laughs> this is shocking. He's one of us, Aubrey. No, this. Okay, wow. Yeah, no. Forty-three. Nineteen eighty is solidly at the end of Gen X. Okay, wow. I'm devastated. This just that doesn't feel he's right. Such a Something child. about that doesn't. He's just finished his seventh year at Hogwarts. Yeah, that that. Okay, so you're a fan. I am. I'm, I'm a, a. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan mm-hmm. as well. Have you passed on Harry Potter fandom to your kids? Oh, Aubrey, have I ever? I required each child to sit through a one-on-one reading aloud with me I all seven it. books, that is which so means awesome. I have read all seven books out loud. 
Three, three times, times <laughs> including book time. four, which is the longest book that has ever been written <laughs> in all time of all time. <laughs> of all time. Yes. Uh, so Kevin and I read the Harry Potter books aloud to each other. Okay. okay. That's how we were first introduced to Harry Potter. Actually, on our honeymoon, oh. we grabbed the first Harry Potter on an audio tape. Yes. We rented it back in the day at Cracker Barrel when you would drive through Cracker Barrel oh. and you would rent their audio tapes and then you could return it to any Cracker Barrel in the country. I am not I have never heard of this. This is accurate this information. Is Brand new information. Yes, you could go to a Cracker Barrel. They had a whole audiobook section in those like big plastic things that opened like, <laughs> yes. like you know, yes. ten yes. tapes yes. in them or CDs when it got yep. a little yep. uh, you know more modern. And then you could return them to any Cracker Barrel in the country. And if you didn't, you just ended up purchasing it. Okay, my mind is blown. Yeah, so we mm-hmm. listened to the first Harry Potter together on our honeymoon as we drove around the country, and then we just started buying them and reading to each other. At one point, we re- I think we read book seven in Africa, and so we had the wow. British version of it. Yeah, we drove four hours to this town called Lusaka to be able to find a bookstore and buy it. We were so excited it was coming out. It's incredible. So Harry Potter's been a part of our life as well. Okay. Okay, so it's Harry Potter's birthday. We've had some fun on chat GPT. Again, we're going to tell you about the fun we've had. But first, we want to hear from you. Are you celebrating or are you anti-Harry Potter? 312-660-2594. But like uh, I said, we're having some fun on ChatGPT. Uh-huh. We sure are. Uh, we asked ChatGPT a couple questions. Yours is more entertaining okay. than mine. I'll go through mine super quick, and then I'm going to pass the mic over to you, Catherine. All right. So we asked uh, ChatGPT, how should we celebrate Harry Potter's birthday? Here were some suggestions. Host a Harry Potter uh, movie marathon, mm-hmm. obviously. Read the books. Yeah. Obviously. Throw a Hogwarts theme party. Okay. Where you Sounds assign like a lot of guests work. to different houses. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that okay. is a lot of work. Make wizarding treats. All Butterbeer, right. right. pumpkin pasties, other wizarding sweets. Play some trivia and games. Well, that's kind of what we're doing right here. That is. Uh, mm-hmm. Create wizarding crafts. That's also a lot of work. Ooh. Here's my favorite. Visit the Wizarding World theme parks. Oh, let's definitely do that still tonight. That. Cosplay is your favorite character. Okay. Here's a nice one. Support charities in the spirit of Harry's kindness and bravery. Aww. Love that. All right, Catherine, share share okay. your fun well, with ChatGPT. Here's what I asked ChatGPT. You know, we are inviting listeners to call in today if they want to speak with a pastor. Yes. And we thought, what if Harry Potter wanted to speak as a pa- speak to a pastor? So um, I said to ChatGPT. <laughs> this is amazing. Because I'm about to be a chaplain. Yep. I said, write a scene. In Harry Potter Book 6, when Hogwarts chaplain Catherine McNeil <laughs> counsels Harry and write it in the voice of Catherine McNeil. Are you ready? Are you I ready? am so okay. ready for this. It's story time, everybody, okay? <clears throat> the cozy office of Chaplain Catherine McNeil is adorned with shelves filled with books on various magical and spiritual subjects. Sunlight filters through the windows, casting a warm glow on the room. Harry Potter sits nervously in a plush chair, his troubled expression evident. Catherine McNeil, a kind-hearted witch with a gentle smile, takes a seat across from Harry. She places a comforting hand on his shoulder. Catherine McNeil says softly, You seem troubled, Harry. How can I be of help today? Harry looks up, meeting Catherine's understanding gaze and sighs. It's just... Everything's gotten so complicated. Voldemort is gaining strength, and I can't help but feel responsible for what's happening to my friends. <laughs> <laughs> Catherine's nods empathetically, allowing Harry to express his feelings. I feel like Harry needed me there. I agree. Okay. I agree. This was an important point in Harry Potter's formation. So then I said, it's natural to feel that way, Harry. 
The weight of the world can be overwhelming, especially for someone as brave and caring as you. <laughs> but remember, it's not all on your shoulders. Oh, that's good. Then Harry Potter looks down. But people are counting on me. I have to stop Voldemort. I, you can probably get the gist of where this is going. Yeah, yeah but I like it. I like yeah, it. Yeah, uh, as I go on to counsel him, I help him to see that he needs to admit his need for support, that <laughs> vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness, that at Hogwarts, we are a community that cares for one another. Yes. Harry starts to feel relief. And he decides he's going to open up more to his friends. Aww. And it ends... That's a wise decision, Harry. Remember, you're not alone in this fight. There is strength and unity. If you ever need someone to talk to, my door is open. Oh, I know. I does feel, that feel like you? I mean, did that ca- capture what you would do with it, Harry? It kind of does. And you know, I, I'm now realizing that I don't think we need to worry about spoilers for Harry Potter, but I feel like I played a very significant role in taking did. down Voldemort. That's true because you gave him the I spiritual him strength the that spir- he needs, the resolve that he needed. Yes. To fight the good fight. and to open up to his friends. (laughs) Who knows how many times I spoke with him about this. Uh, Yeah, that's true. How many... And then, and then, as as Harry Potter went back to his friends and said, you guys, if you've got problems, I would send you up to the chaplain's office. Catherine Catherine McNeil. Chaplain McNeil. She She has a lot of good... She has a lot of good wisdom for you. Okay, that was very fun. Now, you've told me in the past, Catherine, that you've put, like, your kids into other Harry Potter stories or just stories oh, they love in general. Um, What I did, <laughs> I asked uh, ChatGPT to uh, write a breakup <gasps> scene between <laughs> me and uh, somebody in Harry Potter. I think it might have been Draco Malfoy. It, it got very dramatic. Wow. Yeah, he did not want to let me go. Oh, wow. He was yeah, in love with he you. Really okay, was, yeah. I just thought one of the things we do here on The Common Good is we ask the question should Christians <laughs> fill in the blank? I think you and I did one. Should we Christians did. Yes, we practice did. Practice yoga. Yep. Brian and I have done should Christians watch rated R movies? Okay. Should Christians have Black Lives Matter yeah. signs in their yard? I just typed in to chat GPT should Christians read Harry Potter? Oh, oh. You ready for the answer? Okay. The question of whether Christians should read Harry Potter has been a topic of debate within some Christian communities. It's important to remember that different Christians may have varying perspectives on this matter. There is no single definitive answer that applies to all believers. Wow. Some Christians believe that reading Harry Potter is harmless entertainment and see it as a work of fiction that explores themes of friendship, loyalty, and the battle between good and evil. They view it as an opportunity for critical thinking and discussions about moral choices. On the other hand... Some Christians have concerns that the magical elements portrayed in the books might promote an interest in the occult Mm. or witchcraft. Ultimately, the decision whether to read Harry Potter or not depends on an individual's personal beliefs, convictions, and the guidance of their faith community or spiritual leaders. I like that ChatGPT brought the collective into that. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that wisdom. Well done. All right. Well, happy birthday, Harry Potter. Again, if you want to call us, we are 312-660-2594. Coming up next, Catherine and I finally, at last, finally saw the Barbie movie. Yeah, we did. We're going to talk about that when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Everybody, welcome back to the Common Good. My name is Aubrey Sampson, alongside my co-host Catherine McNeil. Hello, hello. So glad that you are with us today. Hey, if you've missed any of our show, we'd love to invite you to go back and catch up on our podcast. We actually do a daily podcast. 
You can grab it wherever you stream, download, listen, all the things to your podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We love connecting with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk, and we actually want to hear from you. Our phone number is 312-660-2594. You've got Catherine, who's studying to become a pastor. You've got me, a pastor. If you just want some prayer, we're here for you. If you want to talk to a pastor, we're here for you. Or on a more shallow note, if you want to talk about the Barbie movie. Yeah, I do. I'd like to talk about We're going to talk movie. about the Barbie movie okay. right now. So we want you to call us, too, 312-660-2594. Again, whether you hated it or you loved it, we want to hear from you. Or maybe you're like, I will not see that movie. We want to hear from you. Catherine and I saw it yesterday. We sure did. Let's talk about it. I'm ready. Okay, first of all, we I purchased Catherine and myself yeah, matching did. Barbie shirts and glasses, yep. which we did wear. Yep. To and, my 12-year-old daughter's great horror. <laughs> yeah, this was really funny to me. <laughs> we, I hope this isn't TMI, but oh, we no. went to your house, yep. put on the shirts, yep. got all ready. And your 12-year-old daughter was like, what? What? This is not acceptable. She was like, I don't like you in that yeah, shirt. Yeah, she was having some cognitive dissonance with yeah. her sort of like brilliant feminist mom in a Barbie <laughs> shirt. I think that's what Maybe was that's happening. what it was. Also, you know, I was trying to like tie it on the side with a pink scrunchie. And I think I was just going a little it was too, like too much middle for school her. for her. Yeah, it was yeah. too much for her. She she did not like where you were she going. She did not. We both loved the movie. Loved it. We Absolutely. sat there laughing. We both sat there sobbing. Oh, my. People around us laughing and sobbing. Yes. Uh, it was it was, it was quite a thing. thing. So um, so it's been controversial. We both kind of talked about this, like people saying it's sort of anti men or like you we shouldn't see it yeah. or um, uh, I don't know some some actually I heard some critique of it that actually wasn't true, but you said you saw some critique from someone who hadn't actually seen it. Yes, so I, I think there's a few way to go. A few way. Let's just talk about the movie, but let's also talk about. Critique when you haven't experienced something. Okay, yeah. You know, I feel like we all have pressure on us to have a hot take about every topic. Yes. Even if it's not one that we have experience with at all. You know, ideally, we would still have a concept of expert, you know, or that somebody... Uh, ha- who has spent years studying the nuance of a topic would be the one we turn to for advice. But it seems that we're really willing to listen to any voice that has kind of the most scathing opinion. And yeah. so I think that lends yeah. itself to people taking to social media or whatever and just um, pontificating on things that they may not know anything about. And uh, yeah. that includes movies they haven't seen. Yeah. So just just like preview the content before yeah, you offer absolutely. a review. Okay. We've said enough about that. Now, tell me your favorite parts about the movie. Oh, man. Oh, favorite parts? <laughs> we both wanted I, to stay there forever. Uh, we for, said I that. wanted to live in that theater in yeah. that movie. Um, Will I, this have spoiler alerts? Do we need to warn the people? I, I, I think we can be pretty careful okay. not to have spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. Um. I think one of my favorite parts is, I, I don't think it will be a surprise to anyone that the movie opens in Barbie world. Yes. And I thought that the the director, the writer, the cast, I don't know who, absolutely nailed a little girl's imagination mm. as she plays with dolls. Whether 100%. it's Barbie or, because I didn't actually play with Barbie growing up. Yeah. My daughter didn't play with Barbie. Yeah. But 
I was absolutely flabbergasted that I sat for 20 minutes and watched my childhood imagination <laughs> happening on the screen in front of me. Yes. And then I also don't think it's a spoiler that Barbie moves from the Barbie land to the real world. Yes. And has some surprises. I won't get into what those surprises yes. are, but... um. I found, once again, that it was very much like growing up um, and being forced Mm. to grapple with the fact that the way I imagined myself and the way I imagined my role in the world was not necessarily the way the world saw me Mm. or the way the world was going to receive me. Yeah, wow. And uh, that that was so powerful for me to watch, watch that portrayed so brilliantly on the screen through the eyes of barbie and even through ken in a lot of ways as well there was a scene and and this is a spoiler but it doesn't necessarily have to do with the plot where barbie sits down um at a bench experiencing some emotions for the first time and she looks over and she's seated by it like an elderly woman oh and she turns to the woman and just says you're so beautiful Uh and the woman goes so, I know. I know. I know. And it, you and I both, I mean, I was like sobbing at that part yeah. and nothing really happened, but it was so powerful. Yeah. yeah. You were telling me that Greta Gerwig fought to yes, keep that scene in the movie. I've can, read. Yeah. Can you tell a little bit about um, that story? I, I read um, an interview with Greta Gerwig where that said that the executive said, what is this scene? This is a throwaway scene. Nothing happens here. Mm. Does not move the plot forward in any way. It's boring. People are not going to connect with it. And she said, no, like, I'm I'm not taking this out. This is a key and core to the movie. Yeah. I want women to know that they are loved and connected to women of all ages. Yeah. And I think having that scene there really was, it's, it kept the movie from being about youthful women and yes. made it about women. It totally did. It was yeah. there. It was very evocative. It was so that evocative. scene, and there were a couple scenes like that with elderly women and mm-hmm. Barbie that were mm-hmm. just like deeply moving yes. to watch, mm-hmm. and, and so simple, but like, whoa, yeah. your heart yeah. just. Wow, very. It was very touching. I think that's the thing about the Barbie movie. It was hilarious. Yes. It was a fascinating, like Genesis, uh, Genesis one kind of creation story. Genesis three in reverse. Mm-hmm. Genesis three certainly very strong, and um, and and so funny, like yeah. so deep and so funny. And I so funny. I think and Greta so Gerwig deep. should win a lot of awards oh for it. I I'm not. I understand. I understand why you might think. Like I'm thinking of the pushback. I understand why people might. think think they need to push back on it but i actually don't think they're they're um i think you should see it yeah (laughs) i i'll say this i think we need to sometimes go into um artistic depictions or cultural statements with an ability to have nuance and like for example the the critique the movie's anti-men um, it does portray a woman, uh, a world where women are running the world, mm-hmm. uh, but it's definitely not saying that that is right or that yeah. is preferable. Yeah. In fact, yes. With again, without spoilers, it you very quickly realize there's a lot of problems with that. Yes, and so 
the but the fact that it's not depicting men in charge does not mean that it's anti-men. Hmm. Um, and in fact, I think it allows us to be like, man, it would be weird for men to not be able to have a job mm-hmm. or for men to have autonomy or yeah. to be able to own their own houses. Yeah. But then you think, wait, there have been times in our country where women couldn't get a job, where women didn't have autonomy, yeah. when, where women couldn't own houses. So I think if we're going to say that the movie is anti-men, we're missing the, the larger statement that it's making. And we're also missing the fact that it has just reversed the dynamics that yes. exist in our own yes. world. So if we want to say that the movie is anti-men, we absolutely have to begin by saying that the our world actual world is, is anti-woman. Hey, we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.